Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 15. And if I haven't said it already, Pastor Jonathan, you did such a great job a couple of weeks ago preaching from uh, these verses. I'm going to be reading some of the verses that Pastor Jonathan preached out of, not because he did an inadequate job, uh, because they set really a, a great table and a great context for the topic this morning. Today, we're going to be talking about growing in reconciliation growing in reconciliation. I did a little exercise the other day as I've been thinking about some of the things that God has put deeply into Jay Duncan. So this, this is just kind of a window into my life. This probably has nothing to do with you, but this lets you know who I am a little bit more closely. And this matters because what God forms and a lead pastor, what God forms in a minister, what God forms in a father or mother of a family, what God forms in a leader of a business, it always finds its way out. It trickles out. And I was just doing this little exercise spontaneously, trying to capture in language the things that are deeply important to me. You, you might call them core values. And so here's a couple of things I wrote down. Uh, radical hospitality is a core value of my life. Extravagant worship generous giving, incarnational ministry. And then this one reached out and it just grabbed me. Relentless reconciliation. Relentless reconciliation. My prayer is that I would be an agent and a bridge of reconciliation into broken places in this world. And that is a prayer not only for my life, you guys, it's a prayer for your life. Guys, the, this world is fraught with so much hostility, violence, division, and brokenness, and pain. And one of the signposts that the church is called to be is we're called to be a signpost of another world. We're called to be a signpost of a world that looks very much like the world that God created in its original intention and its original beauty, a world of harmony and peace and goodness and beauty. We're signposts in the world saying that world is still available and that world is at work in the earth now and those who belong to Christ are moving in the direction of that world. We're from the future. We've seen it. The future is working inside of us. And we are a signpost of what is possible in the realm of reconciliation. So today, we're going to be continuing our journey in Colossians, and we're going to be talking about growing in reconciliations, Colossians 1.15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, and he is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, this is important. This is important because the first point that I want to make to you today very simply is that God has created a good and a beautiful world. God has created a good and a beautiful world. Now, it's difficult at times to look around and to acknowledge that the world that God created is good and beautiful. So let's go back to the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, everything that we see God doing is good. 
Everything that we see God doing is good. In fact, in Genesis chapter one, verse one, the scripture tells us that the earth was without form and it was void and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. Another word or another nuance of that is it was chaotic. It was chaotic. And God spoke into the very depths of chaos and he brought order and he brought light and he brought creativity and he brought beauty. And every single one of those days when God was creating, he was punctuating those moments saying, this is good. You ever done something, you, go, you just look back and you go, this is good. This is good. Like what I created was good. How many, how many cooks are in the, in the room? Anybody ever cook something and then just step back and taste it and go, mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Big Daddy Kane said it like this back in the day. Sometimes I got to step back and kiss myself. This is good. And this is God. He's just looking at what he's doing and he's reveling in his creative work. But then he creates mankind on day six. And he says, this is very good. That we are the apex of God's creative expression in the earth. Think about God's original intention, you guys. God creates man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blesses us. He slaps a blessing on us every week before we launch you back into the spaces that you're called to inhabit. We declare and we pronounce and we prophesy a blessing on your lives. It was actually commanded. God said to the priest in Numbers chapter 6, speak this blessing over the people, but imagine being right there and God laying his hands on you. Imagine the creator of the universe after he brought you to his very face and breathed the breath of life inside of you. Then he just lays his hands on you and blesses you. Guys, listen, when we bless our kids every week before we send them back there, let me encourage you as moms and dads, man, bring those kids in close, bring them in tight Bring them in tight. Let everything that we do in the liturgy of our service, let it carry meaning and purpose. Bring them in close. They need to feel your touch. Just before Chase's little girl uh, ran out to the back, I, I glanced backwards and I saw her just position herself right in front of Chase. And then she nestled her nose on his nose and looked deep into his eyes. And she was waiting for a kiss. And just Chase just looked right back at her and gave her a kiss. She's like, okay, I can go now. It's like these moments of blessing and God created the world to be blessed and he created our relationships to be blessed. He created us to live and to operate and function and to revel and delight in the blessing of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, the delight of God. This is how God created the world. Then the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter two that he rested that there was a deep sense of shalom peace that was operating in the ground of creation itself. Relationships were at harmony with themselves. There was no hostility. There was no prejudice. There was no racism. There was no political angst. There was no power differentials. There was no coercion. There was nothing but pure harmony in relational connections one with another and with God himself. And then scripture tells us in Genesis chapter two that God gives us meaningful work and that he walks with mankind in deep, intimate fellowship. Guys, what God created in the beginning was beautiful. It was amazing. And then we went and we took the story into our own hands. 
It's important for us to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And when it says that all things were created through him and all things were created for him, it's important for us to go back into our scriptural imagination and remember that everything that God created was beautiful and it was harmonious and it was at peace and it was flourishing and it was good and we destroyed it. You can't look at one news outlet. You can't look at one newspaper. You can't go on Facebook. You can't have one conversation with someone and not touch the immediate, relevant, contextual brokenness of the world that we live in. From marriages that are separating, from children that are estranged, from parents, from churches where people are sitting on other aisles because they don't want to interface from friendships that have dissolved by betrayal or immaturity, businesses, business deals, business partnerships that have gone wrong. And then as we zoom out and we see the effect of sin and brokenness on the world, we see it sociologically. We see it generationally. We see it amongst races. We see it amongst denominations. We see it amongst Christians who are called to reflect the very union and unity of God and they can't even have conversations one with another. The effects of the brokenness of sin in our world runs deep, you guys. There is not one place on this planet that we can go that we will not run into the effect of sin. I'm reading this book. It's written by two Duke scholars. It's called Reconciling All Things, A Christian Vision for Peace and Justice. In 1970, John Perkins, an African-American pastor and a community organizer who lived on the black side of rural Mendenhall, Mississippi, was nearly beaten to death by white state police officers. The Christianity that Perkins and the police officers shared, I want you to hear this. These police officers were pronounced Christians. And yet the Christianity that they shared did nothing to challenge the wall that racism had built between them. Indeed, in the aftermath of a brutal assault, Perkins could only hope that division and distance from these men would protect him from further violence. In the turmoil of 1970, he had good reason to want nothing to do with white people. In 1974, Billy Neal Moore, an army soldier, At home on leave in Georgia, tried to rob 77-year-old Fred Stapton in his home. When Stapton heard an intruder, he shot into the darkness. Moore shot back, and he killed him. When I found out that I had actually killed somebody, I couldn't believe it, Moore said. He pled guilty to the murder, and he was sentenced to death. Stapton's family had lost their father and grandfather. Moore had lost any hope of a future. Literal walls now stood around Moore to ensure that he would never meet the people that his actions had hurt. United by violence, Moore and his victim's family were divided by a society that could not imagine redemption. Divided by a society that could not prophetically and scripturally imagine the possibility of redemption. In 1990, a white South African Anglican priest named Michael Lapsley, a chaplain of the African National Congress at the time, opened a letter from forces inside the apartheid government. The bomb inside blew off his hands and an eye, shattering his eardrums. 
For years, Lapsley had patiently worked for justice in his country, only to be betrayed by white South Africans who considered him a traitor. Lapsley had tried to cross a dividing line and had come face to face with the power of division. In northern Uganda, where families live in fear inside of the world's most pressing and least talked about situations of violence, 139 children were abducted from their school by the Lord's Resistance Army in 1996. The children included the 14-year-old daughter of Angelina Atiam, a midwife and a nurse. Atiam knew that she would never see her daughter again. I want that to settle in. She knew that she would never see her daughter again. Thousands of parents before her had bitterly resigned themselves to a brutal reality that could not be changed. She had every reason to be angry, but little room to hope that anything would ever change. The reality of the world that we live in is we live in a deeply, deeply broken world. And it's easy to insulate ourselves from that brokenness But if we're honest with ourselves, that every single one of us have been affected in some way by the brokenness of the reality of sin in our world. Look with me, if you would, at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the scripture says that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Now, let's just pause right there. Like reconciliation and rescue and redemption and all these amazing words that we hear, we preach about, we sing about, we've experienced, unless we're willing to look squarely and honestly, unless we're willing to look deeply into the reality of what it means to be under the dominion of darkness, words like rescue and redemption kind of lose their power. Friends, I... I, I would like to appeal and to advocate that we be a people that not shy away from the pain and the brokenness of the world. And listen, it's easy to do. It's easy to do because it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And we are a generation that, are, that we were just flooded by so much information with technology today. But, but to the degree that you can and to the degree that we can, Friends, my appeal is that we actually sojourn into places and locations of pain and brokenness in the world. He has rescued us from the dominion, the authority, the captivity, the enslavement of darkness and the Lord of darkness. It means that we were slaves. And the scripture is very explicit. The scripture uses this language. It says that at one point we were slaves to sin. Slaves don't have choices. Slaves are powerless. Slaves are hopeless. And that's how the scripture defines our life under the power of the enemy. So God creates a good world and it's beautiful and it's harmonious and it's full of everything that he has designed for us. And yet by our decisions and by us grasping for power, we destroy this world. And the effect is brokenness and shame and hostility and violence and oppression and injustice that has touched every human relationship on the planet. But here's the good good news today. He has rescued us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. And we'll read verse 19 through 22. For God was pleased 
to have all of his fullness, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the fullness of the Trinity inhabited Jesus. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Verse 20, and through him, through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself, look at this, all things, all things. Now, if we're not careful, we'll interpret these scriptures through just kind of a a primitive, shallow evangelical worldview that assumes that the entirety of the gospel is just about you and me individually having a good relationship with God. And that's not what the scripture teaches us. That's what we have preached for decades. But the scripture teaches us that God has been estranged from the entirety of the cosmos, that the entirety of the created order The land has been separated from the goodness of God. The air, the created audience, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we have such a hard time with the idea of uh, climate change. We have such a a hard time with the idea of creation care. This was our first mandate in the scriptures. We, We were created to take care of the good world that God has given to us. If anyone should be taking care of the earth, it should be Christians. This doesn't have to be a political ordeal. This is a kingdom ordeal, right? The point there being is that institutions have been, let's keep that verse up there if we could. Institutions have been separated from the goodness, the purpose, and the life of God. Relationships, relational structures have been separated from the goodness and the purpose and the life of God. And God sent Jesus to bring all of these things back into reconciliation with him. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let me, let me just share a couple of thoughts very quickly. This is for someone. I think you need to hear this. The first step towards every single one of us stepping into our ministry of reconciliation. And by the way, you may not realize this, but the moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to the ministry of reconciliation. You signed up to be an ambassador and an agent of reconciliation in the world. You said, yes, I will be a signpost of what is possible, but yes, I I will also be an agent of reconciliation. I will be a reconciler to broken people and broken places in your name. So when you said yes to Jesus, you thought that you were just getting a a get out of free card. You were actually signing up for the greatest missional endeavor on the planet. You were signing up to go and incarnate the life of God into broken places. You were signing up to run into pain, not run away from pain. You were signing up to be the first to say, I'm sorry. You were signing up to be the first to say, please forgive me. You were signing up to say, not my will, God, but let your will be done. And where there is brokenness, let me be an agent of life and healing. That is what God has called us to. And the first thing that we have to experience in order for us to walk in that ministry is we have to experience the forgiveness of God that he has made available for every single one of us. It's difficult for us to have compassion on others who have wronged us when we have not deeply settled into how much God has forgiven us of. A couple of verses really quickly I want to turn you to. Colossians chapter 1. Look again right here, if you would, at verse 21. Once, this is so important, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies. Anybody ever felt like an enemy with God? You ever felt that way? 
Look at what the scripture says. You were enemies, not in reality. Like for years I read this verse and I just assumed that we were in reality. In the essence of our being, I just assumed that we were enemies with God. That's not what the scripture is saying. It says you created a paradigm in your mind whereby you convinced yourself that you were an enemy with God. This is why it's so important to pay attention to what's going on in our mind up here. God has never called you an enemy. God has never considered you an enemy. Like for those of you who have children, if your children rebel or if they make decisions that are against what you desire and they leave the house, would you call them an enemy? No, you would not call them an enemy. You would ache and your heart would break and you would long for reconciliation, which very simply means that two people that are estranged, they are now made right. God is not angry with you, friends. But you might say, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done. I, I don't need to know what you've done. I've got a whole book of people that have done some pretty atrocious things and God chased them down and said, I'm not angry with you. I want you at my table. I need you in my house. I, I miss your presence. Let's be reconciled. Let's be reconciled. Let's be together again. Let's experience communion again. You don't have to experience life this way. I've forgiven you. I'm not angry with you. I've forgiven you. And so much so, look at verse 21. Once you were alienated. Yes, it was a reality. Once you were distant. Once you were estranged. Once you were far from God. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, every part of our being, we felt the distance of being estranged from God. Look at verse 22, but now. Everybody say, but now. but now. But now. Chase, I don't know why, brother. I just feel like this is such a word for you, man. You, you, just, you just need to realize that there is a but now reality for you. There is a but now. Yes, I know that I know what you did before Christ, but now. But now. But now because of what Christ has done, he has reconciled you. It's already done. He's already paid the price. He's already done all the legwork for you simply just to walk through the door. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Reconciliation is not some cheap notion. Reconciliation is costly. Like if we're going to be agents and ministers of reconciliation to a broken world, I promise you, because I've experienced it, I promise you, you will find yourself right in the middle of two polarizing people, two polarizing parties, two polarizing perspectives, both of which think they're right, both of which think you're wrong. So if you're not completely siding with one side, let me let, me let, you, let you know right now, you're an enemy to the other side. But to be a reconciler means that you're going to stand right in the middle of the tension. You're going to stand right in the middle of the pain point and the pressure point of being pulled in both directions. Reconciliation requires death. Like it required the death of Jesus for us to be reconciled back into relationship with God. It will require the death of your ego. It will require the death of your pride. It will require the death of your opinions. It will require the death of your perspectives where you say, God, I'm willing to lay these things down in order for there to be kingdom reconciliation in broken places in the world. You know, as I kind of, from time to time, and I do it less and less because I just can't stand it anymore, all the, the bickering on Facebook, but you know, from time to time, I'll get out there and I'll troll the territory and I'll hear people say things like this, you know, they'll say things like, you know, I'm right 
and you can check all my data. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, it was not about being right. At the end of the day, I can throw tons of data points on any issue that could be polarizing and divisive. The issue is, is what you're presenting bringing the spirit of reconciliation into the world. That's right. Husbands and wives, I can ask it like this. Would you rather be right or have a warm body next to you at the end of the night? I mean, hey, listen, you can fold your arms and be right all you want, but it's cold on the couch. It's cold out there. The spirit of reconciliation is costly. Go with me here for the next few minutes to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll end with this. Because this is where I would land this plane. And this is where I'm praying that the Holy Spirit just messes with you and messes with me. And he does it in a way that he doesn't let us go. I'm praying that as long as I'm the pastor of this house, that God just stamps us with the spirit of relentless reconciliation, that it messes with us, that it changes us, that it provokes us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 17, and we'll read to verse 20. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation. It has begun. It has come. The world of beauty and goodness and harmony and peace, it has come. It hasn't come in its fullness, but it has come. It is coming. With every day that we choose the will of God, the kingdom of God is expanding in our lives and in the world that we inhabit. The old has gone, the new has come. Verse 18, and all of this is from God. You could not make this happen yourself. Political division and, 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 and racial tensions, you guys, there is no solution on the planet besides God. There is no solution besides the death and the resurrection of Christ. No, no amount of peace talks, no amount of reconciliation journeys, no number of memorial places. And listen, there are dozens of them and they are all good. But there is only one thing that will release the healing harmony of God into the very essence of brokenness. And it is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us now the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us. Guys, look, that's past tense. That's past tense. Again, let me just remind you right now, every single one of us, when we said yes to Jesus, signed up to a ministry of reconciliation. And it begins in the closest places to us. Friends with friends, neighbors with neighbors, spouses with spouses, parents with children, children with parents, extended family members. This is where we learn in the laboratory of our closest relationships. We learn how to be agents of reconciliation to a world that doesn't know God. How are we going to be agents of reconciliation to a hostile and broken world? And we can't even reconcile with our spouse. We can't even reconcile with our friends. It's in wherever there is brokenness and division, there is an invitation for reconciliation. And it might take time. It, it's, it's a patient work. It is a slow work, but it is, there is an invitation. Come and enter into this space and be a reconciling agent for what God wants to do in this place of brokenness. Let's look at verse 20. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Let's look at verse 19. I don't think I finished verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look at this phrase, not counting people's sins against them. Let that settle in. One of the reasons why we have so much brokenness in our relationships is because one party or the other or both are convinced that we must count someone's offenses against them. At some point, in order for there to be reconciliation, there must be a deep work of forgiveness. There has to be someone who goes first and says, I am going to release. Yes, I'm justified. Yes, I was victimized, but I am going to go first. I'm going to tap into a power that is beyond myself, and I'm going to release grace into a place where there should be vengeance. I'm going to release healing and mercy in a place where there should be retribution. Not counting men's sins or people's sins against them. Friends, listen, if, if, I mean, every single one of you at some point are different, definitely people I have outright offended. I mean, every single person in this room would have some reason to justifiably be offended at me. And especially if you were looking at my rap sheet from 10 years ago or 10 months ago or 10 weeks ago, heck, maybe even 10 days ago. And essentially what God is saying in the scriptures right here is that when we're looking at people's lives and we're still telling stories about last year or 10 years ago, we're still holding people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Last verse here, capstone verse, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though as though God were making his appeal. Listen to this language. He is appealing to the brokenness of the world through us. Some of you have have hit me up on this and I get it, I understand, but man, why is the racial issue so important to you? Because I feel that God is making his appeal through my life. It's not a matter of which side is right or wrong. It's a matter of I wanna see the shalom of heaven come into broken spaces in the world. Some of you, you carry that same passion for other issues in the, in, in the earth. It might be foster care. It might be estranged families. It might be the brokenness of the education system. It, whatever that space is, you, you know it. You can touch it. It's tangible because you can feel as if God himself were making his appeal through your very life. Be reconciled. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live in the shame and the fear and the estrangement, be reconciled. God's not counting his sins against you, your sins against you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Earlier, I read about these stories. Let's take a look at how some of these ended. As John Perkins recovered from the beating that had almost killed him, he had time to think. Lying on that hospital bed, he believed that he was done with white people. But God interrupted his thoughts with the vision of an interracial community in the very heart of Mississippi. And over the next four decades, defying the refrain that Sunday is America's most segregated hour, the voice of Calvary Congregation and community development organization that John Perkins planted maintained a vibrant interracial life across economic boundaries. 
Inspired by this vision, many others started similar beloved communities in America's inner cities with thousands joining in a movement called the Christian Community Development Association. Anybody heard of that? The CCDA, the Christian Community Development Association, is doing magnificent work in every city in our nation, mostly seen in inner city places. It is all about bringing harmony and justice and peace and and restoration and, and sustainment and development into the heart of our cities around our nation. Guys, listen, this was started by one man. This was started by a man who was unwrongly or who was wrongly beaten and he chose the way of God. And as a result of that one seed, as a result of that one choice to be a reconciler, now there are thousands, thousands of CCDA, community, Christian Community Development Associations around the world out of that one choice. When Billy Neal Moore was in jail awaiting the trial in which he would be sentenced to death, a minister shared with him the good news that Jesus loved him and wanted to forgive him of his sins. Moore learned that no one is beyond redemption. And from prison, he wrote to his victim's family and he asked for their forgiveness. Astoundingly, they immediately wrote back to say that they were also Christians and that they had forgiven him. And then the family decided to petition the Georgia Parole Board to commute Moore's death sentence. In 1991, Moore was paroled from prison, transformed by the grace of God and his victims, family members. When I was released, they embraced me like a brother. He has been preaching the gospel of forgiveness to school children and church groups ever since. In the painful aftermath of his near fatal bomb injuries, Michael Lapsley struggled to find the real hope that God offers to people who would rather kill their neighbors than have to deal with their neighbors. Knowing that the future that we imagine has everything to do with how we remember the past. Isn't that a great statement? The future that we imagine has everything to do with how we remember the past. Lapsley founded the Institute for the Healing of Memories in South Africa. And at this retreat center, thousands of everyday South Africans of all colors and backgrounds have taken intensive weekend journeys together into healing their wounds of violence and separation that were the result of apartheid. And we can never forget the rest of Angelina Atiyam's story. She refused to be silent when her daughter was abducted. Atiyam and other members of abducted children began the Concerned Parents Association, seeking the release of the children while advocating a different approach toward their captors. Our message is unconditional forgiveness and reconciliation. We have absolutely forgiven them. We can turn to a fresh page. We do it for the sake of the children who are alive. Friends, this is not easy work, but it is possible work because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Friends, would you stand with me this morning as we come to this prophetic picture of reconciliation called the table? And might I remind you that at this very table that we come to week in and week out, Jesus sat across from the very man who would betray him that Jesus was eating the same bread and drinking from the same cup 
of the very person who he knew would betray him. And yet, Jesus extended the invitation of reconciliation and life to Judas, just like he did the other 12. And at this table, my appeal to you today is number one, friends, be reconciled to God. If you are distant, if you feel estranged, if you feel like you're an enemy in your mind with God, friend, there's been too great a, great a price that has been paid for you to continue to live in the shadow of death. Be reconciled to God. Number two, my appeal is as you come to this table, be reconciled with one another. If there are broken friendships or relationships, broken business partners, people that you've not talked to in years, my appeal to you from God himself is be reconciled one with another. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We are a signpost of what is possible. Make that first step. Send that gift. Ask for that conversation. I know it happened years ago. Ask for that conversation. Make it right. Be the bigger person. Take the high road. Let God do a miraculous thing through your obedience. And number three, my appeal as we come to the table as friends, can we commit as a church that this is going to be a house of relentless reconciliation? That the dream, God's dream of the future that every nation and tribe and tongue that the poor and the rich, that male and female, that they find themselves in a safe house where God's vision of the future is working itself backwards into our reality today. Can we commit to being agents of reconciliation into the broken places of the world? As we come to the table, let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we take bread and cup together. You can exit on the left-hand side of your row, receive the elements, and we will all partake together. Friends, come to the table of the Lord.